and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host Jimmy Lemke. Good, whatever time of day it is, wherever you are listening to this, everybody. And Jimmy can be found at PantherU on Twitter, um, and you can find the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. Uh, so, we're getting close to the halfway point here, and uh, it looks like things are shaking out as as we kind of expected. There's a gigantic log jam between places four and eight. Um, I guess, obviously, the one surprise being Detroit, um, but still sitting at the top is Northern Kentucky. Guess we can't yeah. be surprised. Northern so. Kentucky, after that one little... Pick up at Oakland, or not put it back together. Yeah. So and I guess, yeah. Um, I I guess Cleveland State cures all ills. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, we call we call Cleveland State a palate cleanser. Yeah, that's that's what we are now, Cleveland State fans. We're palate cleansers. Congratulations. That's us now. This is where this is what happened in the course of the last three months. We came from not as bad as we thought we were going to, not as bad as the predictor the predicted two palate cleansers. I I don't get that at all. I I really don't. I mean, you have to work really hard to be zero and eight in this conference. I mean, seriously, you have to work really really hard to be zero and eight in this conference. Okay. And it, I mean. I mean, and they ha- it's not like they didn't have any shot. It's not like they haven't had any opportunities to actually win. They could have won. They could have won at Milwaukee. They could have won at Green Bay. They were up on Oakland in the first half of that game. Yeah. And now they're sitting at 0-8. And the last four games have looked even worse than the first four. So... I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't if they don't beat if they don't beat Youngstown State on if they don't beat Youngstown State on Saturday. I don't know what the hell. I don't know when the hell the next win's going to be. I don't know if there's going to be another win. Honestly, so have fun with that, Cleveland State fans. And you're just stuck with and you're stuck with Dennis Felton for another year. So congratulations. And Youngstown State only lost to Northern Kentucky by like eight. Yes, and and let's not forget too that 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 um that Youngstown was up on Wright State too. In their game, they actually yep. were up on Young Sounds. Uh, Young Sounds State was actually up on Wright State during that game. Um, but you know, obviously, Wright State came in and didn't have you know they 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 turned it around and did what they needed to do. They need that. They probably need that win more than anybody because they didn't want to be down. You know, they didn't want to be down with the same record. You know down at the bottom two. Nobody, you know, especially when you're predicted to be one of the top two teams, you don't want to be down there. So they need it more than anybody. And then, and then come Saturday, they come in and they just looked, uh, you know, Wright State looked every bit the top contender. Now, mind you, of course, once again, they are playing Cleveland State. And I'm I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I knew on I knew on Thursday Tyree Appleby was out of the game. Um, 
he was he was battling an illness. So I knew, you know, I guess you could put a big old asterisk next to that game against Northern Kentucky. Even though, come on, you can't. They were they they were killing it behind the three point line. Tyler Sharp killed them. Drew McDonald yeah. was killing them. You know that that's what that's what Northern Kentucky does. So Drew I'm not, McDonald kills everybody. It was it was actually more Tyler Sharp. Tyler Sharp at what point in time I think scored twelve consecutive points during that game. Tyler Sharp yeah. did that. So so that that's that yeah, I mean and I remember last episode saying specifically because obviously I mean, saying specifically that Northern you know, for all I know, Northern Kentucky could go in and start shooting, you know, start start shooting shooting three pointers. Which, admittedly, they don't do that great. They're pretty good, but they're not that great. First mm-hmm. five, the first five field goals of there were three pointers at the outset of that game. So, I guess people are listening to me. So, hey, shout out to you guys. <laughs> hey, we got a uh, we we had a speaker against Youngstown State. So, hopefully, hopefully. But, you but guys good don't. news for you that you know Milwaukee's kind of turned it around though a little bit. Hey, I mean, we swept the week, man. I know that that's really good for you guys. I mean, that's you know, and you. I know, you know. Last we spoke, you were kind of lamenting, kind of the kind of the worst case scenario over at, uh, at Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's part of the logjam. I mean, yeah, there is between places four and eight. All those teams are either three and four or four and three. Plenty of plenty of opportunities for them, for everybody in that in that group. Um, but yeah, the yeah, but Milwaukee's four and three, so that's but that's a big deal. I mean, especially again since you you were a little apprehensive of them not even making the making the conference tournament to to come yeah, out of the well, come out of the well, week with two wins. That's it's, great. It's still very early. It is still very we're not, early. We're not yet at the halfway point. I mean, we'll, we we are coming up on the halfway point. We are. So. Yeah, next weekend is the halfway point. So yeah. So crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of opportunities for. Uh, I mean, on, it is still too early. There are plenty of opportunities for some of these, uh, some of the uh, teams that between four through eight to kind of fall through the cracks. Um, I don't see Cleveland State getting up there. I think their I think their season's got to get. I mean, I love how everybody says wait until February. Fine, I'm gonna wait till February and realize, holy shit, they're not making the conference tournament. That's gonna be a fun <laughs> day. But I'm sick of talking about them. I want to talk about the guys. I want to talk about the guys at the top. Um, yeah. So, so Northern Kentucky. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Northern Kentucky. I think for them moving forward. You know they're they're looking every much like the the the, the regular season contender the regular season you know they they want the t- the regular season title they want some revenge for the tournament last season so I'm I'm looking very forward to seeing what they have to what they're going to be doing moving forward um, I mean they're sitting at sixteen and four right now. Um, it's almost a pretty foregone conclusion that they're going to they're going to win twenty games this year, and it's for them. It's going to be a matter of getting back, getting you know, getting over the disappointment of last year at Motor City Madness, and 
getting the winning the winning the regular season title, winning the uh, winning the tournament, and leave no doubt, really. So, I think they're on the mission. Um, the the, the, one- the game is. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that you really wor- got to worry about with the team mm-hmm. Northern Kentucky is that you know Drew McDonald's a standard bearer, uh-huh. but like you said, Tyler Sharp can kill you. Yes. Um, but there's even guys outside the starting lineup. Oh yeah, that is true. Well, Robinson. Is yes. Yeah, he he was torching Cleveland State too on Thursday. Yeah, oh, did absolutely. He, did he? Yeah, I mean he was getting off he was getting off three pointers along along with everybody else. Yeah, he did he did extremely well on Thursday. I'm hoping that they'll uh, that they got it out of their system and they'd like to lose a couple games or maybe one game, preferably Saturday. <laughs> yeah, because you got. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because you got uh, Milwaukee. You got the uh, we got Northern Kentucky, Milwaukee coming up. Uh, Wisconsin, coming up. Uh, Wisconsin heads to the Cincinnati area for the two games. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean that one's going to be big for. Well, and I think the other thing too with Mil- in Milwaukee's case because um, I think that's going to be a big test for them because. You know, Agreed. again, you know, you're you're kind of working under low. You were, you know, when we last spoke. You, we were talking under kind of lowered expectations for Milwaukee. No but expectations. No expect exactly. So if you got nothing to lose, you're going to give these guys your best shot. That's what I think. At least I would if I was in Milwaukee's shoes. What I, what I liked about the Thursday game for us was that we didn't really, you know, Darius Roy is a guy who when we win, we've been really leaning on him. Sure. And against UIC, he had seven points. Hmm. He was not doing very well. He was shooting, he was at a bad shooting. And everybody came out of the woodwork. We had five guys in double figures that night. DeAndre Abram was just an absolute monster that night. Like he he had nineteen and sixteen. Yeah. Um, you know Bryce Barnes looked like a play looked like the player that we all thought he could have been when he we he was recruited. Sure. Um, Jake Wright's shots falling. Vance Johnson was actually like you know doing. Very well. I mean, it was it was a very good game for most of them. Sure. Um, what, what I like, so, and, I, I, and I see I'm kind of. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying, I was glad that we could spread it out instead of having, you know, leaning on just Darius Roy doing well. You know, Darius didn't actually do all that right. You know, sure. Thursday was one of the worst games of the year. Yeah. But, but the rest of the team uh, mostly. And really, DeAndre Abram. Yeah, I mean, they picked picked up the pieces and they ran with it, and they took the game. Yeah, and and I mean, you could see, and realistically, you could see that with, I I could see that with the, you really can see that in that Milwaukee team where, 
you kind of do have the ability to not you kind of make up for lost scoring as as they did against UIC, and then of course IUPUI rolls around and you know all is right with the world again. But but that that's the thing. That's really the thing that has really emerged within the Horizon League. You gotta have a one and you gotta have a primary and secondary score ready to go at all times. And if you got a primary scorer is having an off night, you got to have that secondary scorer come in, and you got to have the rest of those guys pick up the slack, which Milwaukee did against UIC. Agreed. You, so, you just there's there there are very few teams who do well in this conference with a one man show, and in fact, oftentimes you can have a really good one man show and do very poorly. And that the, the team that proves that more often than not is Youngstown State. Well, Cameron Cameron Morse, Quinn Humphrey. These are these are teams where one guy goes out and just absolutely smokes the competition, but the rest of his team is so bad that they just don't do well. Yeah. So that was kind yeah, of. But, I mean, realistically, that was kind of. Uh... That that was Young Sounds mo forever. Um, I guess the question now, now I guess the question now becomes: Do are they getting to the point where they're they? I mean, they can transition out of that. I don't know if they're quite there yet. Um, the 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 record would suggest that they're they're not quite there yet. Um, I, you know, obviously. Um, Against uh, against you know against Wright State you had their you had their freshman uh, Darius Quisenberry go off, um, it, that one's going to be an interesting situation because it seems to me that with Youngstown State, uh, unlike years past, they are trying to kind of diversify themselves in terms of scoring. I don't know if they're there yet, um, as. But you look around the rest of the league, Cleveland State notwithstanding, they they still have this problem, major problem, also defense. But you look around the rest of the league, and you see those first and second scoring options. Even in Detroit, where you obviously have, uh, you know, a superstar in Antoine Davis, and we'll get to them. Uh, we'll get to Detroit. Uh, we'll get to him later when we talk about when we talk about Oakland. There's that second. You know, Josh McFally has come in, come back into the fold, and he is now becoming that second scoring option. So, um, but as you mentioned, that's been the overall success of the of the teams that have done well in this league. They they're not relying on just one guy most of the time. They have one guy, and it is. We look at recent years. You look at like, oh, Kay Felder. You know, Elfman. Yeah. Kay Felder was by far the best player on the team. Sure, yeah, but they had like four other guys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they did. Really not just beat you, but like kill you on any given night. You bet. Um, you know, we we're talking. We just talked about it a couple minutes ago. Drew McDonald does really well, but any night on any given night. Tate's going to come and beat you. Sharp's going to come and beat you. Robinson will come in now. He's going to come out of the bench and beat you. Yeah. 
Exactly. So it's a so it's it's very important. I mean, the the deeper you are, the better the better your prospects. Yep. So and that's the deeper you are in at the top of your roster, and that's the deeper you are in the back of your roster. Exactly. Now, now I remember like Youngstown State when they had um, Blake Allen, Kendrick Perry, and Damian Ergel. Yes. Those are three all-conference level players at Youngstown State. Yes, the, very true. The team still did not do very well. No, they didn't. Because because after those three, they were trash. So it was it was really it really kind of sucked because they were they really were three talented. I mean, they were they were just as talented as any any three players Butler had, any three players oh, Milwaukee had, any three players Cleveland State had. So for Youngstown State to have like for that to be like though their best three and then they're surrounded by nothing just really kinda sucked. Um the the and the, and thus representing the never ending the legacy of Jerry Slocum. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I wanna like Throw it all on Slocum, or was it Robich? Was the guy that Ro- it, Robich and Slocum? Yeah, I mean they've but. just ever since they came up in you know, ever since they came up to the you know to the Horizon League from the MidCon, it's all been downhill for them. Well, I really uh, wonder how that program would be if they had stayed there. Yeah. um... They yeah, were second. I mean, they they were second in the tournament. You know, they were second in the midcon the year before they came to the Horizon League. You know, was yeah, that a, was that a conference true. that they that uh, was that a that they could have succeeded in? Maybe they're a little too big for their britches, which is something that a lot of people don't really talk about. But there are programs like there are programs that you know you move up in conference and. Yeah, things don't go quite as well as you'd hoped. Um, That's right. It usually doesn't happen with Horizon, like Horizon League teams that have moved up um, have not really. LaSalle's probably the best example of that. Yeah, as a Horizon League team that that well, that them an MCC team. Which by the way, can we bring up the MCC name, please? Um, <laughs> LaSalle left, and they really haven't been much of anything ever since. Uh, the best yeah. example of one of our, out of our programs is probably Evansville. Yeah, I was thinking Evansville. Just been garbage in the MVC for a long time. I know. That's something. But Loyola's, Loyola's doing all right. And by, got, by the way, for the record, I think Loyola would have been almost as good, if not just as good, as they were the last couple of years if they were still in the Horizon League. Yeah, that would have been um, nice. Loyola's growth as a program was not just because of their move to the MC, the MVC. It was also it was mo- mostly the facility boost. Yeah, that that arena is a leg- like a legitimate tiny arena. Their, um, you know, their their people are behind. They've got that. They had the new like practice and office facility there 
it's all very tightly packed. They've got that. They have a new student union that's right next to the arena. Like they sure. just they built everything around it. all the housings right next to the Genteel Arena. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 all. I I, I would credit facilities more than the conference sure. move. Sometimes it doesn't go quite as well. No, um, and we've seen and, yeah, and you mentioned it. We've seen it in, in, in you know you mentioned two exa- two specific examples of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we a lot of us always talk about like should we move up and you know like not should we move up like ooh what what conference can we point to and the more time goes on the more I I think about uh, I think it was Big D at WSU not Big D at USC got to separate the two of them um, I think it was Big D at WSU said like yep yeah, there's a there's a core group of programs here that all share common characteristics mm-hmm. as just athletic programs but institutions sure it, you know the the UIC Green Bay Milwaukee uh, Wright State Cleveland State Youngstown State and Oakland are all very similar and now Northern Kentucky actually too are all very similar universities um, the, if you look at the ones that have left Butler non-sectarian private school Loyola yeah Jesuit Valparaiso Lutheran these are all these are private schools yeah well well, you kind of saw the you kind of saw the framework of the transition from more of the from from more of the private institution which is kind of the foundation of the what was the MCC and now is the Horizon League into the public uh, more of the public institutions. You see that. I mean, we've seen that the entire time we've been here because obviously our two institutions have been involved in that. Um, what that means for, you know, in the future for maybe expansion, what that means for the only private school left, Detroit Mercy, that's a good it question. Makes, it makes me It makes me think a couple of things. I mean, you, 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 brought, you brought up North Detroit. Uh, I, I do think... Excuse me, Detroit Mercy. I actually think it's a good thing that they're embracing the full name. Um, I think I think Mercy. It may be better for them long term to look somewhere else, possibly. And in that case, maybe there's one of the other Michigan schools wants to move up. You know, maybe EM or maybe EMU drops football finally and actually commits, and maybe they want to move over to the Horizon League. That would be an obvious move. Um, maybe you get a school like uh, you know one of the schools that's D one in hockey that wants to go D one and the rest of their sports. Maybe that's the thing. Or maybe you you know that's why like I I I'd love to have Robert Morris. I don't sure. know if they fit. The more time goes by, the more I feel like Detroit Mercy might be a better fit for the Mayak. And maybe that was the uh, I mean kind of yes yeah. yeah like they might be. Well, maybe more Sienna's kind. Of, you know, uh, maybe, and for us, there's as much as like I hate the idea, <laughs> especially like uh, like 22 year old me would have punched me in the face for saying this. The alphabet soup schools fit <laughs> like for everything that I for everything that I hate about having IUPUI in the conference. Yeah. I and 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 I. 
have strongly disliked the program ever since Ron Hunt left. And I did not, and by, you know, shout out Ron Hunter. Thank you for, you know, developing George Hill because he's working out pretty well for the Bucks right now. But, <laughs> but for everything with like Ui Pui that I, I gave him crab for, the fact they both did, matter, man. They both did. The fact of the matter is they fit with us. Yeah. Uh, not, More than we would ever care to admit. It's the they're truth. not in the jungle. They're not in the jungle anymore. But maybe a long-term thing is to rebuild the jungle into an actual facility sure. for them. Um, the Farmers Coliseum is off campus, so maybe that's not a, like a not not a really good idea for them long term. Although it, I, I, as from every everybody I hear, it's actually a pretty nice renovation that they did there. Um, I, 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 I and by what I said, the alphabet schools, alphabet, alphabet schools. Obviously, I'm saying and IPFW. Yeah. You know, it, it, they dropped the I. It's now just Purdue what? Fort Wayne. Sorry, PFW. There you go. They 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 dropped one of the uh, they dropped one of the letters out of their alphabet soup. Sorry. Um, you get a, you, you get cheap beer. You can go to a bar run by the patrons of foreign wars. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, PFW. Yeah, I mean, sure. uh, they would automatically have the coolest mascots in the horizon. Oh, absolutely. Dude, the mastodons are the coolest. That's the coolest mascot. And, and see, I love the mastodons. They have like a 15 foot tall, like five person Halloween costume of a mastodon walking around their arena. Yeah, how is it? Yeah, that's. Eh. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't done that, honestly. So. so. Uh, you know, they get But like, there's other, there's other, there's other teams. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think I I I think that I would like them to do a, a rebrand at some point, but maybe a, an Edwardsville at some point, or you know, it's you want you want bigger city schools that are public schools. Yeah, I think and that's going to be the not you want, and I think I think as as coming from the standpoint of being UWM, and I think I can speak for UIC and I and IUPUI too. I would prefer that more schools that we were would bring in. I feel like if we were to bring in more schools, we would we should bring in like, um, we should bring in research institutions. Interesting. Because I because I, I think that um, I think that a way that we can get our university on board and and getting the entire university community to care about your athletics program and help out your basketball program because helping out your basketball program can help them out. Yeah. And teaching that and, and telling them that. Yeah. Um, excuse me, my dog's barking. Hey, better yours more than mine. <laughs> that, the better it works. So if we were to bring in more sure. player, more players from like a research institution's phase, then, uh, then – the the more t- players we would be able to have, like well, the, I think, the, I think the more research institutions we bring in, and bring in, and maybe create another kind of like a research collective between the schools. Uh, I think the better we have for, um, you know, the better opportunity we have to like build our programs internally. So, what are the big city public schools? in the Midwest that we can really look at as maybe schools that we should uh, add to the horizon league. So I, th- I think that would be it for me, but um, just kind of thinking about adding, adding to the conference from another angle. Sure. I'm going to take a look around next 
you know, next week or so. See if I can come come up with any outside of the box ideas. That, yeah, that's kind of interesting. You mentioned that because you know that's uh, I, and I didn't, I, I, I never generally, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, we don't generally consider that particular aspect of it when we talk about expansion. Even though, as we know, the big push, the big focus has been on, has been on the academics, and so. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Horizon League is thinking, perhaps, of an institution that is more prominent in, say, research than... Well, Purder Fort Wayne's definitely not that, that program, well, but yeah. I think Fort Wayne's really about, like, f- putting together programs that fit. Yeah. Um, other, I mean, other schools that we could... Yeah, the more that we look towards academics uh, to put together, you know, some kind of research collective, the more it'll benefit schools that are not tier one research institutions. Um, we've got a couple tier two, tier three research institutions. Yeah. If we could put together the kind of, you know, the kind of like group like the Big Ten has, the A, uh, what is it? what's their, is it the AAU? I can never remember. I don't the remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Big Ten. One of the things that is one of the strong things that people rarely talk about with the Big Ten is that they actually have a long-standing academic collective of all the Big Ten institutions, uh, as well as well, yeah, um, as well as the University of Chicago. Which, if if um, if it hadn't been for their you know, basically dropping off their athletics program, they would still be a Big Ten university. That's true. I mean, so yeah. What would Northwestern's billboards say then? Huh? Interesting. Would say, yeah. Would they say North Chicago's Big Ten team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. So we have like, uh, you know, I, I I do think that we should look at institutions that are that are like us, and I think we should look at institutions that are. Uh, that can bring something to the table, not just athletically, but academically. Um, I don't think you just add anybody just because, but you can, you can add teams. You know, maybe once Southern Indiana moves up, I'd have to look at them as an institution, but like, maybe once Southern Indiana finally makes that long rumored move to Division One, maybe that's a program that we look at. Yeah, so. Uh, so, the big, I, I think the, I think a really great example is the Big East. Sure. Um, the Big East for years, was kind of like Conference USA 2.0. Yeah. It was, it was these big, like, city uh, football schools that were really good at basketball, like UConn and Cincinnati, Louisville. And then they also had all the traditional Big East kind of programs, like, you know, like Villanova, where they're like, yeah. yeah, they like Villanova has football, but one double A doesn't really true. count on this level. Like, like they'll they, they'll they're um, you know, they're traditional like Catholic bas- basketball schools. And now, when you look at that conference, Butler is like sticking out like a sore thumb in that conference because they're not Catholic. <laughs> That's true. It's yeah. Still a- Still a small private urban school. That is true, and but I didn't even think not, about that part either. Well, yeah, when you look at it, and, and 
Creighton, when they added, that's a Jesuit school. Marquette, Jesuit. And for people, for the listeners who aren't aware, Je- Jesuits are an educational, like a, they're an educational centric order of of Catholic priests, basically. Um, they're they're Catholic. So, um, but it's but Creighton, Marquette. This is this is where like a long term, if Loyola really, really, really wants to get somewhere, yeah, that they could if they could figure out what they were doing, maybe. But they're also in the town with DePaul, so it's still probably a not um, probably a school if they would. Re- <laughs> and this is this is a forty year project, but like a yeah. Detroit Mercy, if they wanted to move up, <laughs> that's true. They, they, if they could figure, if, you know, if Detroit Mercy could figure out how to be the next Butler in the Horizon League, and they could really win it, whoop it up, and maybe Callahan Hall gets a renovation that makes it so that the hallways are larger or wider than my ass, then they <laughs> might be able to, they might be able to move up to that point. But like, they academically as a, as a university, they fit the profile. They're a Jesuit school. Um, the the uh, for every team that leaves, Detroit Mercy becomes less and less like the rest of the conference. Yeah, and it sucks because they've been here since year two of the of the conference. That's true. Uh, the last charter member left a few years back. Yep, in Loyola. So this conference has, I don't know, want to say evolved, but it's changed. Yeah. Now and now, you know. We can start as as conference realignment really has started to wind down. Mm-hmm. I think we should really start to look at you know keeping programs that are like us. That's why I'm not so sure Robert Morris is the best best bet for that for like an 11th or 12th team because Robert Morris, while they've been very good at basketball until the last couple of years, uh, and while they have a new you know the, a newly updated arena that's really nice. And while they have the practice facility and the conference championships and all those things, I'm not sure they really fit us. And I, and a, and I think and I think moving forward, and I, I mentioned that I I would prefer Robert Morris, but you know, I I think moving forward, I do. To me, they 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 to at least seem to me to be. They, they. My comparison would be they're the they're they're Detroit without the hangups that Detroit has had over the years. Um, yeah. Which is why I, I I I thought that they may be a um, viable candidate. But let's face it, if they were, don't you think they would have been invited to come to the league lo- a, a, a long time ago? And they haven't been. So. Yeah. Um, so so maybe we're now at the point where the the conference is kind of, is looking more on the public side which is why a Robert Morris no longer fits anymore and that's why you see potentially a Fort Wayne or if they jump up to D1 a Southern Indiana come up where where they they make a lot more sense than a Robert Morris from an institutional standpoint so that that's something that is something to consider. And by the way, I'm glad you brought up. Uh, I am glad you brought up Detroit because um, before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Detroit Oakland game. Um, 
that was a hell of a game. Um, Oakland did exactly what they needed to do in that game. They, you know, you talked. We talked earlier in the show about that diversity of scoring options. In in that win against in Oakland's win against Detroit Mercy, you saw that everywhere. You saw that all over the place. You saw, um, you know, that you had you saw an inside out game like in in Oakland that is probably what we should have been. You know, between. Javen Coverland on the outside, Xavier Hillmay is on the inside. The Detroit Mercy didn't really have any answers for them until they just, for whatever reason, <laughs> the Oakland took their foot off the brake and foot off the accelerator, and Detroit Mercy came back at them hard. But when you look at when you look at Oakland, you you look at Oakland, they're definitely outperforming where I thought they would be. Um, I don't think they're there in terms of getting to Northern Kentucky, although, as we know, Oakland they, is the only they, team that beat Northern Kentucky, so yeah. you never know. And, and I will say this. Um, I think I think Brad Brechting's coming a little more into his own. Uh, he seems to be more comfortable. Yeah, he was – in- and then, then he has been yeah. up to this point. Oh yeah, and and I, I'm glad you brought up Brad Brechting because I, by the way, I'm still holding out for my Brad Brechting waiting uh, breakout game. By the way, um, but yeah, when you saw him on the boards yesterday uh, on Saturday against Detroit, he was all over the place. Yeah. He got nine boards, so he was all over the place. Did um, he have more or less than Blackshear? He had. Uh. He had more. One more, actually. Blackshear had eight. Really? Blackshear nice. had eight. Brechting had nine. So, yeah. I, impressive. Oh, Kamari Newman actually had the set, had eight boards, too, by the way. But the big thing with Bre- with Brechting is uh, four of those boards were, were offensive. So he was cleaning up the offensive glass really well. And, Which is extremely and, important in a close game. Absolutely. Often, one of the four factors to winning a basketball game is your offensive rebound rate. Yeah, that's true. How much are you, how how much of your possible offensive rebounds are you getting? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're getting those, or you're getting more. Basically, you're getting more offensive rebounds than the other guys. You have a fairly good chance to win. You have twenty. You're twenty five percent of the weight there. Sure. It's it's that it's your efficient field goal percentage. Which is just your field goal percentage adjusted, adjusting for the actual points that go in. So you're, I mean, it's not true shooting percentage that brings in free throws, but your true efficient field goal percentage is, you know, field goals are worth two, mm-hmm. three point field goals are worth three. What a novel idea. <laughs> you have those two things, you're half of the way there. Yeah. Your turnover percentage. How much are you, how much are you turning the ball over? Obviously, if we're protecting the ball, you do pretty well. Milwaukee does a pretty decent job to protecting the ball. But if you do a pretty good job protecting the ball, you're most of the way. You're seventy five percent of the way there. Then you got it. Yeah. The four factors. And I, I will say this: um, I didn't really notice it until that website StatSheet.com was around for oh, a few years. Yeah, I love StatSheet.com. By the way, <laughs> I I really wish StatSheet.com would still be around. Because you could, um, like, as a guy who ran Panther U, you could embed all kinds of 
you could embed all kinds of tables and stuff. Wow. Um, I know basketball reference. I mean, it's a little bit of a nerdy website thing, but like basketball reference could do that too. But like, it's it's a little and eh, like how it looks. Uh, you'd have to like you have to go in and bust out the CSS and really like play with yeah. it to make it look okay. It's a yeah. yeah. I, I like Basketball Reference. It is it is kind of a little complicated though to kind of get into to delve in all that data though. Yeah, that's okay. It's 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 just collecting data. Yeah, just fantastic. So, but but if you notice on Basketball Reference, one thing they one thing they have on each page on each game page, they talk about the four factors. And if you if you win three of the four factors or four of the four factors, you're almost un you you are almost undoubtedly going to win the game. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And and uh, from what I could tell, that that's what happened with Oakland on on Saturday. Um, I think that return game at a, at the arena is going to be just as good. I think that's good. I think that that returns game is going to be just as good. Um, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to it, and of course we gotta wait like a month to see it, but still, it's gonna be a barn burner. We should we should uh, we should start wrapping this up because yeah. I've got a dog who's staring out the back window, and I think that if anything comes across, she's gonna start barking. Yeah, like, and my voice is kind of run out of gas. Thank you for bearing with me. I'm a little under the weather this week, uh, um, so yes. So we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this up for for, for everyone. Um, you can find uh. You can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on uh, sportsax.com, hax.com, and you can find uh, episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on wherever you can find podcasts, your Google Home, your Google, your and your Amazon uh, Amazon Echo devices. So uh, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.